In this episode of the DevSecOps podcast, we're going to go off script and explore the LinkedIn algorithm. I could tie this back to DevSecOps and how all of us need visibility for our work or how important it is to build a community around our ideas. But the real reason is, I find this fascinating. One of the largest community engagement platforms in the world encourages us to play their game, but doesn't tell us what the rules are. How are we to determine the best way to participate when we have no idea on how to best contribute to maximize our visibility? Because that's the game we're playing. How do we get and maintain visibility of our ideas on LinkedIn? How do we grow that visibility into an audience of our peers in order to contribute and expand those ideas? It is to the benefit of LinkedIn to give basic rules of engagement. But instead of guidelines for participation, we are punished for breaking undefined rules and rewarded for seemingly arbitrary reasons, which we then try to recreate without knowing why we were promoted. To add more complexity to the mix, the rules can change at any time. Is it a loser's game, or are there fundamental patterns we can surface that will help us give some visibility into the LinkedIn algorithm? For years, I've been making intuitive guesses as to the best way to work on the platform. This led me to the work of Andy Foote from LinkedInsights and Richard Vanderblum, founder of Just Connecting. Through their research, they have found patterns that we might be able to use to expand our visibility and engagement on LinkedIn. I say might because when you don't know the rules, you don't know when the rules change. On May 8, 2020, Richard, Andy, and I sat down to discuss their research into the algorithm that determines how much visibility your content gets on LinkedIn. Andy's article, The LinkedIn Algorithm Explained in 25 Frequently Asked Questions, and Richard's investigations, which turned into the LinkedIn Research Algorithm, were the basis for our discussion. What I learned from them immediately changed how I engage with LinkedIn. When I say immediately, I mean within minutes of talking with them. Stay tuned. This is the DevSecOps Podcast Series. The DevSecOps Podcast is supported by OWASP, hosts of Global AppSec San Francisco on October 19 through 23. And from All Day DevOps, the world's largest online DevOps conference, this year on November 12th. All live, all online, all free. All Day DevOps. Andy, I want, I want to start with you. It's the chicken and the egg kind of thing. Who came first, you or Richard, when it came to, to looking at this research like this? Uh, well, thanks, first of all, Mark, for having me on the show. I'm, uh, I'm grateful to be on screen, uh, not only with yourself, but also with Richard, uh, who I've known for, for uh, many years, but this is actually the first time that we've A, spoken and B, appeared on the oh. screen. Such is the case with, with many, many LinkedIn connections. We just, we build these relationships, they're pretty deep, but you know, they're virtual. Yeah, so to answer your question, who came first uh, or you know, how did it start? I became interested in 
articles primarily three or four years ago. Articles were all the rage on LinkedIn about that time and Publisher had just been opened up so everyone could start publishing and notifications were coming through, right? They were flowing fast and freely and there was a, a huge amount of engagement and lots of budding authors did exactly that. Well, I got to know a guy called Garrick Potgeiter out of South Africa. He's a data scientist and he wanted to try and understand what was going on with articles and how articles in particular, that content was disseminated on the platform, on the LinkedIn platform. And then he published some results uh, which were fascinating at the time. And I don't think many people paid attention or, you know, very much happened to that. Uh, and then I've obviously, like many other people, have tried to understand algorithm when it applies to uh, short form content, so posts. What happened recently, last year, was Richard did this very important research project and he got a large enough sample of uh, data for it to be uh, A, interesting and B, valid. He, as far as I'm concerned, is the guy that did all the heavy lifting. I certainly wanted to draw Garrick uh, Potgeiter's data analysis into it. Uh, there's another chap who's uh, also done some work on this front, Adrian Dayton. He did a very interesting study, but also LinkedIn themselves, right? So LinkedIn last year also, happenstance, they also shared some more information about the, the right. algorithm. Bonnie Barillo is um, uh, a data scientist actually within LinkedIn's, and she did a very interesting Q&A after her, one of her presentations. So all of this came, came together about the right time, and my job, I think, was as an editor to bring stuff into it or to bring all this together to fuse it. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, Richard did all the, the hard work. So thank you, very, thank you, brother. <laughs> so Richard, where did the research come from? How did you gather the data that Andy's talking about here? Well, to be honest, I am occupied as a LinkedIn trainer. I have been since 2009. I was uh, the second person in, in the Netherlands who started his business from LinkedIn. The problem with providing trainings offline is that in July and August, everybody's on vacation. So there's nothing much to do. I think it was in the middle of June last year that we were thinking of having a, a project, something to do in July. And as Andy already told, the LinkedIn algorithm always has been something. And, and a lot of our LinkedIn specialists and trainers know this. It, it has been very tempting to discover and to you know, reveal all the secrets. So what we did, uh, one of my clients is a university in the south of Holland. And there are some very clever students who are doing market research. I connected with them and I said, hey, I've got this great project. We're trying to find out how the algorithm works. So what they did, I asked them to uh, research about, I think it was about 3,500 posts from in total about 40 different persons. And they made print screens. I think it was almost every hour or almost three hours. And they asked for statistics from the people themselves. Uh, I don't know how they did it, but they made this really statistic program and they came up with results. When I saw the raw results in the first time, I knew this was gold because I knew from my gut feeling that this was what, what I experienced myself. So there was a lot of recognition in, in the first results. That's when we decided to even make it a bigger proof, a bigger poll of people. 
Uh, and eventually the research came out in the third week of July last year. And it hit, uh, on LinkedIn it hit, I, I think, almost a million views, but also more than 40,000 downloads within a month. Uh, and and th these are global downloads. I got a lot of recognition, a lot of invites in my LinkedIn um, uh, inbox from LinkedIn specialists from all over the globe, stating that this was exactly what they experienced, as Andy already told. One of the big things for me that I got from both of your papers is that comments are the gold. If you want to get engagement, if you want to be able to get the LinkedIn algorithm to pick you up, it's comments. The golden word in, in the current LinkedIn algorithm is interaction. And if you look uh, into the three options we have, just below every post, it's like, it's comment, it's share. For me, it's very simple. If you like, this is a one-side action. I like it, you can leave it or you can take it or whatever. If I share it, actually what I do, I rip off your content, put it on my own timeline. So there's no interaction in that. So the only option you have uh, is to leave a comment because that is when you interact with somebody's content. Just leave a comment in the hope the person is going to respond as well. You're perfectly right. Comment is the fuel in the LinkedIn algorithm. Andy, it surprised me from your research too. We were so encouraged by LinkedIn to write articles on the LinkedIn platform. And what's the value of that now? There's still value in, in articles. Let, let's not put the idea out there that there's no, there's no value, there's no point in, in writing um, long-form content or articles on LinkedIn. That's, that's definitely not the case. And in fact, you know, I've got a good friend uh, who swears by the longevity of, uh, of his articles that he's written. He says, Andy, I still get clients. I still get inquiries from stuff that I've written years ago. So there's evidently a long tail there in regards to articles. And you, you, write, you, know, you write something good and great, then you can put it straight on your, your featured section on LinkedIn, right? You'll get clicks there. That's, that's a brand new section. And it's, it's not just for articles now. It's for, it's for a short form. So it's posts. So you write a good post. You can put it right there. Yeah, so I wouldn't be totally dismissive of articles, but there's no doubt that everyone is all about the short-term quick fix, right, which happens to be posts. That's uh, what I call, it's the newspaper of the day. People get in and, and get out, engage quickly, or they write it quickly. It quickly disappears uh, as people scroll down. They don't tend to last very long, um, short-form posts but um yeah articles are still valid still still valuable still worth doing and uh, but going back to the the previous question what richard was saying about uh, comments and that interaction that absolutely 100 percent. it's all about the the dialogue the discourse and keeping linkedin as sticky as possible wanting people to hang around because again you know a like a reaction is is not very en engaging at all quite you know you can dismiss those if you want the share the share is strange because it's uh as as richard said you know it, it is a rip off of someone else's content it's not the content that you would perhaps habitually serve your own tribe and it's kind of a red-headed stepchild it's like why is andy sharing this that's not andy's stuff you know it's richard's stuff who's who's richard so they might not know him and that's why i think shares don't tend to do that well either 
which is kind of counterintuitive because you're thinking, wow, someone thinks enough of my content to reshare it. Why shouldn't it do better than, you know, six likes and zero comments? It's, it's quite strange, but that I think is, prob- is probably one of the reasons why it's just not appealing to that particular tribe. The strangest thing I noticed back then again, and, and I think it's even got worse about shares, is that whenever you share valuable content or whenever you share a piece of content, LinkedIn will give you about 15 to 20% of the reach you have with a regular post. So it's like they are almost punishing you for sharing content. Yeah, it's yeah, wow. weird. Um, yeah. And, and that's really strange because as Andy told, I, I, I agree with Andy. If my research, which has been shared massively like Andy's research as well, this should be something that LinkedIn should favor. You know, if, if a post got shared, then, then this is good content because otherwise people won't share it. But the person who shares the content is actually punished for sharing it because he gets less views in the first batch, about 15 to 20%. Yeah. And this is really strange. It's bizarre. Totally yeah. The other part of that equation, too, which floored me when I read your guys' stuff, is like, if I find a great article that's relevant to my community, and I publish, I put a link to that article in there, I'm penalized for doing that because it's sending people off of LinkedIn. Yeah. And there's, there's even a weird punitive, almost, bias towards shares links in the post body itself do you put a link there that takes you out of linkedin's walled garden do you um, not publish it with the link publish it in the comments uh hit publish then wait five minutes edit edit and put it back in it's like doing these cartwheels to try and you know somehow hack or do something which again should be fairly logical right if the link is supported if it's if it's relevant then why should linkedin have a problem with that you know is that is that false um that used to be the case has it changed how do you test something like that because a b testing on linkedin posts is as far as i know it's it's impossible right you can't recreate the exact same circumstance or situation right for an a test as you can for a b test well, that's that's a problem, isn't it, Andy? That's a problem because I thought I cannot write the same post because it's in a different day. It's the second post on the same subject. EB testing is simply not possible. Right. And there are more external factors who can influence the outcome of your research. So this is this is very a very hard thing to do. I found the research. I think it was some guys from Greece. Maybe you have seen it. And they researched in, I think they researched more than 8,000 posts, the difference between putting the external link in the body of your post or in the first uh, comment. The conclusion was that actually it doesn't make any difference. Why is that? Because if you put the link in the first comment, obviously in the first batch, you will get more views because LinkedIn does not recognize the external link. But... Whenever you get more and more comments, this first comment is no longer visible. So people have to click two or three times more to go to the same content. And with every click, you lose out on new people. So eventually at the end, the same people will have gone to the website as if you put a link in the body. So this for me was interesting to know. Yeah, it's a wash. They found it was a wash. Yeah, yep. 
Interesting. Yeah. It's quite strange. I mean, people overthink it sometimes as well. I think there was some discussion that I, I saw recently that um, now should you should you like your own post? What yeah. about what about you know? <laughs> it's like what will that affect the out? And I'm thinking, mm, you know, if you're worried about that, then worry about something else and just worry about the content. Whether the content content is giving your audience what it needs instead of uh, liking. My good. My goodness, there's, you know, there's, I think people do tend to overthink this, frankly. Yeah. I didn't see in either of your research whether a profile, people setting up their profile, changes the algorithm. Have you guys looked into that at all? Richard did, yeah. R Richard's study covered that. Richard. You mean the strength of the profile? Like, does it get yeah. an all-star rating or an intermediate rating? Or do you mean the social selling index, which is also an indi indi indication of the strength of a profile? I saw the social selling index, and we can get into that. I was talking about the overall, if you've raised the profile of your profile. There is one way LinkedIn rewards your profile or ranks your profile. You have the all-star or the intermediate or the beginner level. I think you only have three levels at this point. And what they do is... If you have filled in the seven fields, the crazy thing is, for example, one of the fields is the about section. You know, it used to be a summary, uh, which is, in my opinion, a very important field because this is where you, you, you meet your client and you can persuade your clients and you can convince your clients. But if you fill this field just with one dot, so you open the field, it's empty, you put in one dot and you enter this field, according to LinkedIn, it's filled. And then you get your all-star rating. What we notice. What we noticed in our research is that if you have the all-star rating, you get more views in your first batch. It's like LinkedIn is rewarding us for filling in the seven fields. And those seven fields are exactly the fields LinkedIn needs if you fill in the right information. LinkedIn needs this field to target us with their marketing and recruitment solutions. It's your location. It's your education. It's your current position. It's your skills, it's your about. So those are the fields LinkedIn can use. They sell the data to people who have a vacancy or have a marketing solution or whatever. So it's like you are being rewarded for data and you get more views, which to me somewhere at some point, it's unlogical. You got to imagine they're looking at all kinds of, uh, all kinds of data and trying to bring everything, you know, as much as they see relevant, they being LinkedIn into the, uh, the calculation looking for, for all kinds of signals. The other one that came up, actually I might have, uh, I might have put it into a poll because I, I got access to the, the polling function which uh, LinkedIn used to have six years ago and then yeah. deleted and now have brought back all of a sudden. One has to ask why, right? Why, why delete and, now, and, and why, why now? But that's another conversation. But yeah, one, one question that I asked was, um, because a lot of people are very curious about this, was the poll was something like this. If you tag someone and they don't respond, right? We can talk about what respond means. Does the algorithm punish you, right? Something along those lines. And I did that on purpose, right? I want to get, get maximum interested in that punish well someone actually commented well punish is a strong word <laughs> but you know if it dings you in some in some way i know you referenced it richard in in the study and you concluded um at that time well, not, that, not, not that not, not this point and so this is a very interesting point i, ah, I saw your okay point. no the thing i the thing i referenced in my research is that tagging people 
yes. will not increase the views, but by, by tagging, they get a notification so they might respond earlier and yeah. every response increases your views. Right. But this thing is very interesting because I see a lot of people tag a lot of people to get the interaction going, but what if LinkedIn does punish you if they do not respond? That's right, because you, you'd think if uh, one of perhaps one of the, the things that LinkedIn is trying to work against, trying to counteract, might be spamming. And yep. if they see that multi-tagging is a form of spamming, uh, spamming and more importantly, if uh, they think that people are getting pissed off, and how do they measure pissed offness? Is that because of them not responding or doing any of the negative responses? For example, unfollow, uh, delete, untag. block, untag. Yeah, exactly. So let, let's just say there are plenty of signals there that could factor in if LinkedIn was, uh, was you know, having a good 360 look at, at these things. So, but I've not seen any research and any hard data on that. Uh, this, again, is, is observational. You know, we can try, but who's going to try multi-tagging just to, to keep <laughs> people off, right? Oh, well, that didn't work. What does that do to you? What does that do to your brand? What is Andy doing? He just tagged 20 people. <laughs> yeah, I, re I recently saw a post. It was also from, a, from a, a lady from the States, and she had an article, and well, I didn't, I didn't like the article much, but nevertheless, but she had about 80 comments. So I was wondering, okay, who's responding? So I clicked on the comment. First comment, 10 tags. Second comment, 20 tags. Third comment. So she had made almost more than, I counted them, 70 comments herself in tagging people. And this post was already like two hours up and she only had three or four responses. Mm. So... I think if LinkedIn would punish that based on the research, based on people not responding or untagging, I think in this situation, it would be great because this is utter nonsense just yeah. to try to, to, to yeah. fix the algorithm. Andy, I have a, a good thing about polls because I have some contacts as well at LinkedIn. The poll might come back because, and you probably recognize this, we have a lot of people, they, they have a question and then they respond that if you think no, please press like. If you think yes, please press comment. And in order to get this kind of, in my opinion, false engagement post in the timeline, they have now reopened the poll because this is what they actually want. Now they want to pull something. So now you, we don't need to press like, we don't need to press share or comment or whatever they want us to do. Now we have a, a decent poll functionality again. So this is one of the reasons why they brought it back. So just to clarify, because that, that's very interesting. I've been testing the hell out of polls right now. I mean, I think so far I've done something like 60 or 70 and I've just had it for two days. So yeah, I've been going crazy. <laughs> and part of that craziness is I'm not really thinking about some of the responses. And I've had friends, I've had uh, strangers say, oh, well, what about C? Uh, oh, what about D? And sometimes they've actually done that, exactly what you said, Richard. They've commented. I've also had notifications from LinkedIn about that, saying, listen, no one's commented. Why don't you tag someone? Right? Why don't you mention oh, someone? Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So yeah, I think you're on the money. I think, I think that's exactly right, Richard. I think yep. that they've been brought back not just because it's like a quick, uh, you know, satisfying thing. Who hasn't got an opinion, right? But yeah, also... Yeah. Also, the comments are going to be coming. 
regardless of whether you messed the, the poll questions up like I did, because some people are so strongly opinionated about some things that just clicking in a box saying yes or no is not going to do it for them. Yeah, I, I totally get that in terms of you know, bringing, um, not bringing engagement back, but seeding as much engagement as possible via, via polls. Where do hashtags play into this? I know that we're talking about building a whole list of names. That's a no-no. You guys have a magic number for hashtags. LinkedIn does, for, for sure. Uh, last year, Pete Davies, who, who works for LinkedIn, he came out and basically said, hey, guys, it's a maximum of three, three hashtags. Uh, I don't know about anyone else, but when LinkedIn is very specific like that, I... A, pay attention, and I, B, follow, follow what they say. To me, it feels right, but also there was um, another article about the same time that showed uh, that in the URL itself, uh, this isn't happening anymore, and Richard is, nodding, yeah, Richard is nodding his head. He knows exactly what I'm about to say, that uh, someone eagle-eyed uh, spotted that the, that the first three hashtags were actually in the URL of some posts. And uh, I haven't seen that since. Uh, maybe that was just some kind of reveal, something they were testing, but there were only three in the URL. And you might think, well, yeah. About the hashtags in the URL, they had a problem with Google indi uh, indicating, uh, uh, indexing our content. So this is there again about, I think it's again about the big money. So that's why, at least in Europe, I didn't knew it was also yeah. gone in the States, but in Europe, they needed to remove the hashtags out of the URL ah. uh, for indexation. Interesting. There you go. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that, Richard. Yes. Yeah, so three is the magic number. And so whenever I see now a post with more than three, if even if it's four or five, I just think, ah, you didn't get the memo. And also to be frank, from a user perspective, I don't want hashtag soup at the bottom of every no. post. I don't want to see 20 hashtags. It's like desperate. It's not Instagram. And I think that's possibly where it's coming from. And if you think about the role of hashtags, it's really just, uh, it's an index, right? It's, uh, can people find you via that particular hashtag? Uh, is three not enough? Three's enough for me. You know, I pick my own custom one every time. Andy does LinkedIn. And I pick two that are highly relevant, you know, well-followed. So they have lots of followers. Now, does yep. the fact that whatever content marketing has X million followers does that mean that x million are going to see that my, my content no absolutely not i guess the smart move would be to uh follow hashtags and use hashtags that your clients right your tribe might be interested in that would be a good strategy but hashtags are still i think version 1.0 on, on linkedin right now if you look at trending as an example i'm sure richard has a view on this whenever my hashtag is trended bullshit there is no trending here because next time your hashtag trends, go and click refresh and see what happens. Guess what? It'll vanish. It'll vanish in the hashtag feed. And besides, if you're in hashtag trending, shouldn't you expect the hashtags below you to also be trending? They're not. So they need to figure that out. I don't know what the heck is going on, but that to me is a credibility problem off the bat with hashtag trending. And whenever I see someone excitedly say, whoa, my hashtag's trending. No, it's, I don't know. I don't know what you think is trending, but that's not trending. The information that got to me by some people who just left LinkedIn in San Francisco is that there are some plans that you can make an advertisement on a hashtag in the near future. So this makes sense really, you know, for us, 
uh, and also for LinkedIn to stimulate the, the use of hashtags. Because imagine if you could make an advertisement in the States on the hashtag content marketing, and this would immediately pop up in the feed of everybody who's following content marketing. I think this, sure. this would be a great thing, even better than, yeah. than a sponsored post from a company. I think we haven't seen everything what lies at the back of, of using hashtags. There might be some new functionality coming with regards to hashtags. For me, I just advised a company. Uh, they called me today, this morning, and they, 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 they would like to build a community on LinkedIn, and they thought LinkedIn groups might be a good thing. And I disagree because I think LinkedIn groups are almost dead and buried. Recently, they have tried to reactivate LinkedIn groups by making some adjustments. Hasn't worked. So what I did, I, I, I just told them, create two or three hashtags for your own company. Yeah. Uh, because one of the, the main reasons they would like to have a community is for their thought leadership articles. Okay, then make your own, make your own hashtag, name of the company with thought leadership, and just give the hashtag to all the, uh, the pieces of content. Ask your people to follow the hashtag and you have your community. It's not in a group. It's less work for your community and uh, it's right in your feed. I think hashtag can be great for you to get your content to your target audience. Uh, and, and we'll just have to see what comes up next. Yeah, absolutely correct. And on that point, just quickly, Richard, when you, when you say... Um hashtags as the new groups in effect i think that could very well be the next thing that could be version two but although we don't know how who the followers are right no. of specific hashtags you know that linkedin does and yeah. that's that's key data particularly you know for advertisers yeah. uh, and indeed let's say version two says all right so you have this hashtag it's custom uh would you like to see who's following and how easy would that be to make that into a group if indeed groups come back? Well, the hashtag thing is brilliant. Create your own hashtag, spread the hashtag to your followers and say, just follow the hashtag. And now yeah. we can start exchanging information. That's brilliant. Richard, we, we blew by something that I think is critical for people to know because I would guarantee you 90% of the people don't know. And that is social indexing. Can you talk a little bit about the social index and what that's about? Uh, LinkedIn, I think it was, maybe Andy knows. I think it, they, they invented the social selling index in the 2015, at the end of 2015, a guideline in how to use Sales Navigator, which is the paid uh, sales solution that LinkedIn has. And you can find your own LinkedIn social selling index even without having a subscription if you just put in uh, the link linkedin.com slash shale slash SSI, then it's there. I always say it's like a relevant score. You have a score between zero and 100. Uh, the higher you score, the more relevant you are for LinkedIn. Because if you get a higher score, this means you have a professional brand, your profile. You are very active in networking, like researching for people, inviting people, they will accept. Content is a very big part of, of the social selling index not only spreading the word, but also getting engagement. So also spreading good content. And then of course you have the relationship. For me, the good thing, I really like this point. And also one of the conclusions of the research was that we found out that the higher your SSI score is, the more views you get in the first batch of your content, which I see that LinkedIn is rewarding our efforts 
to make impact on their platform in giving us more visibility and more reach. And I personally, I like that. I like that conclusion because imagine you have a person who has a profile, hasn't viewed it for over a year, and then he has two or three vacancies or he has this new product and he goes to LinkedIn, makes all kind of content and getting the exact same of views as I or any would get. Day and night, we are active on LinkedIn. It's a good thing that LinkedIn rewards us for creating an impact on LinkedIn, for adding value to the LinkedIn community by giving us more reach and more views. So that, that's the perfect thing. Yeah, it was very interesting when, when Richard found that causal link between SSI and uh, publishing on LinkedIn. I think that was uh, a lot of people were quite surprised uh, by that. Personally, I'm not a sales guy, and I think that's probably part of the attraction, but social selling index, the SSI, is, is not something that I spend uh, too much time uh, thinking or, or worrying, worrying about. Mine dropped, I think, from being in the high 80s to the low 70s uh, the last time I checked it. And I said, I said, what the heck? This is ridiculous. And the, the reason I said it was ridiculous was because one of the pillars, there are four pillars to the SSI. One of them is uh, engaging with insights. And that was my lowest, right? <laughs> that was the lowest of the four. And I, you know, I can't remember exactly what it was. And I thought, are you kidding me? Because that's what I do. That's my, my website is called Linked Insights, all right? In terms of, again, credibility for me, just didn't seem to be A, credible or B, relevant because I'm just focusing on content, getting my best content out there all the time, engaging. That's why that's what I'm doing. So it could be a vanity metric. It could be designed just to sell sales navigator. It could be on its way out. I've, I've heard that, that rumor too. Someone's saying now, ah, I think they're thinking of either getting rid of it or changing it in some way. Um, that's what I heard as well. Yeah, that's yep, what I heard. So there you go. There's a uh, you know, double rumor. Um, make that, make, make of that what you will. But the other thing is, um, one of my friends said, well, you know, when was the last time you wrote an article? Uh, well, it's been years. Well, if that's measured, oh, yeah, could be, yeah. But again, it's, you know, not something that I dwell on. Yeah, people have also thought about, yeah, have made the, you know, the point about, oh, you know, I, I got Sales Navigator after being tempted by SSI and my SSI has risen. Even without doing research, part of my job as a trainer, sometimes I provide multiple trainings during, let's say, six months. I guide companies like six months. Uh, sometimes the companies will not have Sales Navigator subscription at the beginning. You know, we're just going to implement some profile adjustments, improvements, uh, thinking about content. And then there is a point that we subscribe, we, we get Sales Navigator and within three, four days, they all go up like four or five pounds on Sales Navigator and they haven't even done anything with it. That's one of the things I think makes it less reliable and more like a vanity metric. You just pay the bill and you get the reward. Yeah. Could be on the other hand, if you pay the bill, we reward you with more views and more you know, in the first bet. I don't know exactly what the correlation is, but true, Andy, having Sales Navigator already raises the bar. We also found out not having written an article in the past six weeks will lower your SSI with three points. Yeah. 100% true. If people are taking what you say and saying, okay, I believe in these guys, what should they be doing right now to get more engagement with what they're doing? So, Andy, I'll start with you first. Sure. So, um, I will just share what, what I do. What's worked for me? How about that? When, when I put um, a post out there, that's just the start of the work uh, for me because 
I want to get certainly within the first 60 minutes of clicking post when I publish, I want to get maximum engagement. I end my post, every post with a question of some form. So I'm stoking engagement right from the get-go. I am uh, hoping for, uh, desperately hoping for some kind of response, some kind of uh, comments. Uh, reactions are great. I'll take those two. And everyone who shares, I'll be sure to thank those shares as well, because you know what? That takes more, more time sometimes than a react, uh, especially if they're doing a prelude to the share, which, which is obviously better. In other words, trying to make it more of their own. But the comments are golden. The comments are so important within the golden hour, that first 60 minutes. And I will, I will be grateful for everyone who comments and I will be responsive to those. Uh, and, you know, I even say, if the, even if it's a short comment, I'll say, thank you for commenting, which is code for, thank you for helping me with the algorithm today. <laughs> all right. Because that's what, that's what it's all about. And then I want to have conversations within the comments as well. I want to go back and forth, back and forth, not just fake, not just, uh, but genuine conversations. When Richard talks about hashtags being the new groups, comments are also the new groups, right? That's where communities are building. That's where you're adding to your fan base. So your work just starts with, with publish. I have had to baby posts, right? Hold the hand of posts for the entire day sometimes because I want maximum engagement. I want, I want to have uh, a ton of views. Views are great, but comments are the best because that, at the end of the day, is how I grow my business because people okay. you know, get notifications, so-and-so has commented, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and that's my advice is just know that the work just begins, not just crafting a great post that's going to get engagement, but also looking after that post and caring for it. Richard? Andy mentioned already some, some really great stuff and I can, can 100% agree with Andy because I, as Andy already told us, I think it really starts when you push publish uh, or, or push post and, and it's there. I always explain to people that, and Andy does it in his post, I do it as well. The first three sentences are very, very important because the first three sentences are in your screen and then comes the see more. In the first three sentences, you need, to, you need to create the attention. You need to make people aware that there is some really added value in your posts. Consider and, and sometimes reconsider the first three lines of your post. I think any we both use documents, PDFs as well, because this is the way you keep people on the platform. You will not get punished by the algorithm, but still you can provide a lot of content in one post because people can actually click in the post on the PDF and go through all the pages. And especially if you make them more visual, so less text, more visual, people will get great value out of your post. What I sometimes do, if you get a lot of engagement in the first hour, then your post starts rolling through the algorithm, you get more and more views, but there is a point that you notice that it becomes less and less. And sometimes I will comment then myself on the post again, like, uh, thank you already for all the wonderful input. Uh, I have another tip. And then I just leave another tip in the comments, which will notify all the people who have liked and commented on the post. Some come back for the extra tip and you get like a small relaunch of your posts. So in this way, you, you can guarantee a longer life of your post and defeat just by commenting on it whenever you think that the engagement is going down. Can I just say quickly, Mark, that the entire LinkedIn community 
should thank Richard van der Blom for his study, his seminal study, no less, of, of last summer. Just phenomenal research piece, my friend. And yeah. you have done everyone such a big favor by doing that, not only just doing it and sharing it so willingly. Uh, I have utmost respect for you, my friend. Very well done. Thank you. It's, it's, it's likewise, Andy, because I know that after I launched it, I know you picked it up and combined it with some other research. And I noticed because I, I got a lot of invites. And they say, hey, I saw your research in Andy's post. And, and so I think... And I think this is what we should do even more, not just the two of us, but with all people. If we have reliable uh, research, if we get to understand more about LinkedIn, we should spread the news because eventually it will make our feeds better and it will make the platform be of even greater value. Thank you. And also, Mark, I really appreciate it to be on your show, to have been given this opportunity to talk about uh, content, to talk about the algorithm with Andy. So. Yeah, really great setup. Thank you very much for that. This is the DevSecOps Podcast Series. The DevSecOps Podcast is supported by OWASP, hosts of Global AppSec San Francisco on October 19 through 23. And from All Day DevOps, the world's largest online DevOps conference, this year on November 12th. All live, all online, all free. All Day DevOps.